Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 110. Today we'll be completing our segment on pricing. In Part 2 of Strategic Pricing, we'll further explore economic value, how to best position your products and services to maximize your profitability and deliver services your customers can't live without. So, we're all set. Let's dive in. You know, Shai, one that comes up really interesting to me is the transition from a product or service into a subscription-based services because of the internet. So many products that we've had in the past are no longer available as actual products. They now become services available on a subscription basis. And the pricing of those is fascinating also. The appeal of the set it and forget it kind of pricing, especially for something that that I constantly need to consume or that I want to consume. And that perception, as I'm just paying a little bit per month, that it's a lot less expensive is something that's been extremely effective. But what it really comes down to, to me, is economic value, understanding the price of a purchaser's best alternative. Again, we deal with this all the time when we're thinking about how to price new products and services, but I think the business owner sometimes loses their way because they're just sort of in this habit of how they've been pricing their existing services. And maybe, you know, you've been in business now a few years and you may have had a really unique differentiator when you started, but what's happening right now? What is the next best alternative? If a consumer doesn't choose you, what are they choosing? And what is their cost to do that thing? You better understand that really, really well. And if this is something you can do right now, when you get done listening to this program, you can go look and think about, okay, what is my mix of services? Who am I serving? And what are the competitive options within that space? And I would challenge you when you think about competitive options, don't just think about your direct competitors, meaning other companies that provide a similar service or a similar product. Think about competitive options from the standpoint of the choice the consumer makes. So what other things could they do instead of purchasing your service that may fulfill part of that value proposition? So, for example, if you are selling a teaching product or you're selling a training product, well, what else could that person do? They could self-study. They could hire a coach. They could join a forum or get information from other places. So you want to think about what are these different channels that people could satisfy, if not 100% of the value you provide, 80% of that value. And what does that cost them to do that? Yeah, the market space in all sectors has become so dynamic and so fast paced that the choices and the awareness of choices to the consumers are at light speed versus years past. Today, there is new options every day, and the consumer is able to look at the latest and greatest options and make their buying choices on a daily basis, almost on an hourly basis. We can look at companies like, an example I would use is GoPro, thought they owned that sector. 
Then the knockoffs started to arrive and the competitors started to arrive and they ignored it. They didn't want to acknowledge that they existed. They wanted to represent the high end. These are the best. No one else can touch it. This is our price. Take it or leave it. And the clients left. Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly right, because they're not being proactive and they're not understanding what's happening in the marketplace around them. And let's face it, as entrepreneurs, we all suffer from overconfidence. (laughs) So it's, you know, that bias is the thing that allows us to get up in the morning and charge really hard and go after it. Right. And that's awesome. And the downside of that is that sometimes we kind of lose sight of the other things that are happening around us. So, yeah, that's such a good example of not paying attention to what's happening with your competition. You know, the next piece of this to me is thinking about, you know, how do we make sure that our customers feel like they're getting a great value? And so it's not just differentiating your products versus the competitors, but how are you making them feel about what you're doing? How are you understanding the different segments of your customers and then creating packages that actually are really focused on making them feel like they're getting a great value? So I think like the most obvious example of this to me, I think about Southwest Airlines and the airlines in general. There's a few lessons here. What do you think of when you think of Southwest, Craig? I like Southwest from the standpoint of choice. They want to give value. They want to make you perceive like they're the cost value provider. And yet a lot of flexibility. That's my perception. What's yours? Yeah, well, I agree with that. And, you know, what's interesting about Southwest, you know, always a great example, such a such a great company, classic disruptor, really an innovator in one of the most commoditized and difficult to make money (laughs) uh, industries that there is. When I think of Southwest, what pops into my head immediately is bags fly free. And think about what a simple idea that is bags fly free. Well, when you think about that, who cares the most about bags flying free? Those people with a lot of bags. <laughs> well, definitely. <laughs> it's a great example. I love that. I'll, I'll, I'll be here all day, folks. I'm going to just keep teeing Craig up with, <laughs> with some of these easy home run balls. You know, Southwest was perceived on this idea of bringing democracy to air travel, right? You are now free to move across the country. How can we allow everyone to be able to enjoy air travel by making it more affordable? So fly free is such a great iteration of that. People that are cost conscious think about that. And that creates a huge amount of value, even if they're capturing it somewhere else in their fare structure. They know that this is a point of perception that makes the customer feel like, ah, yeah, that's great. I mean, none of us like to get nickel and dimed on things. And you look at the major air carriers right now, and they've had to debundle their pricing to try to make a profit. And once they realized that they could do that for certain customers, maybe for some different customers that they're focused on, more of the business customers, first class customers who are willing to pay a lot more, they now have all these individual things that cost conscious customers feel like they're getting nickel and dimed. Yeah, they really honed in on the pain level of air travel. What were the problems that the passenger was perceiving as being an issue that had value to them? The other airlines didn't want to hear that. They wanted you to fit into their mode as a consumer. This is what we're offering. You're going to love it. And if you don't, we got more customers later on, whereas Southwest was always aligned with their passenger. Yeah, there's really no question about that. They understand exactly who they're trying to serve and exactly what that customer values And they continue to build a really effective strategy around that. So even as they go after other customer segments, 
as their brand matures and their prices actually rise quite a bit, they're still able to stay focused on that core audience. And people are very emotionally committed to that brand. And that's because they do a great job at it. So you need to understand what it is about your customers and why they would care, how you're delivering the things that they care about, and then make sure that you're giving them that information. Again, bags fly free. You are now free to move about the country. These are simple slogans that I guarantee Southwest paid a lot of money (laughs) for marketers to distill for them. And you've identified one area that has the hottest pricing strategy in in all industries. I mean, the price of the moment, they're setting prices, as you well know, on a minute-by-minute basis. It's continuous dynamic pricing. So from a pricing strategy, it is just the wildest pricing I've ever seen of all industries. They are right out there. It's almost stock market level. You know, most of us won't have those kinds of sophisticated algorithms to understand at any given moment what is the most a customer might pay. (laughs) And once I've captured a certain amount of value, how much can I discount my future sales, right? We might not have that at our fingertips, but it is a great example of how certain industries can really benefit also from dynamic pricing, like you said. But the core thing here is understanding, again, the customer and how they feel matters the most because their buying decision is going to be based 95% on how they feel. And this really plays out sort of in the Amazon scenario where you don't get to touch and feel or you might not really know what it looks or feels like, but you have this perception of what is value and other people, how they value a particular product, number of stars, so forth. We have all these indicators that tell us as consumers where the value is. We have our own price frames that we're looking for buying in a particular sector for the price. Oh, yeah. And sometimes we're suspicious if the price is too low. Sure. Absolutely. What's wrong with that price? And so the ability to imply a certain value based on a high price or a certain value or quality based on too low of a price, just like you're saying. Yeah. And when you think about how irrational all of us are when we actually are making these buy decisions, we love to buy something and then rationalize it, right? Like I could tell you all about my motorcycle and, you know, I could rationalize that, (laughs) what I paid for it in a hundred different ways, but But I know that it's all BS. (laughs) But that's in the toy category. You know, we can rationalize all toys, right? (laughs) Yeah. But some people sell toys. Yeah. I I mean, I I totally hear you. There's not a toy in the house that I can't rationalize. (laughs) But, you know, it's really interesting. So we all know that, right? All of us have passions and things we're just willing to pay for because we love it. We just have an interest in that. And don't forget this when you're on the other end of the pricing equation. You are delivering something of tremendous value to your customers. When you can figure out who your most valuable customer is, you know, who's your most profitable customer and why is it specifically that they choose you, you need to price accordingly. Because they are passionate about what you do and you should be extracting the best value that you can for that because you're making a difference for them. And it's much better than the other choices they have, you know. So thinking about this, smart salespeople always start their presentations with their most expensive items. And the reason why you do this is this kind of a top-down selling technique. It's the same idea. It gives people a reference. So they're able to say, oh, wow, there's this premium thing I could do. And then as I move down, 
there's less expensive options. So there's definitely based on the level of service or the qualities, the features of the product, you're giving me agency. First of all, you're allowing me to make a choice, but you're also anchoring me by saying, you know, if I'm a customer that just wants the best, then I might choose the most expensive package just based on that psychology alone. But you are creating real economic value at every one of those tiers. And if you do that well, creating reference pricing is really important. A great example of this is, you know, one of the classic red herrings in the restaurant industry (laughs) is alcohol pricing, especially when you look at things like wine or expensive whiskeys, or even if we're looking at like microbreweries and what they might charge for beer, it leaves a perception and, and what they will often do, and you see this in restaurants all the time, is they will put bottles of wine on the list that are $500 plus, $300 plus, but then they'll have a whole bunch of wines that are in that $50 to $100 price range on that same list. And psychologically, with that reference pricing, we will look at this and they know that a large amount of that target audience is going to feel a lot more comfortable paying $50 to $100 for a bottle of wine. But guess what? They're going to feel even more comfortable after they've been anchored at the really pricey options that are just frankly out of most people's reach. And more importantly, most people will not see the value in paying that. But it strengthens the thing that you want to sell because we do much better as consumers when we have something to compare it to. It's so true. They've studied this back and forth, even with various products and services. And when when the consumer is given a choice of a range of prices and services, the middle products are the predominantly sold products and services. You know, the purchaser doesn't want to get too low. There are those that would love the lowest price and always go with the lowest price, but the predominance is in the middle. They don't want to be too high. They don't want to be too low. We love the middle choice. I mean, this is just, again, this is such a classic. You talked about subscription-based pricing. We see this all the time with software as a service. They give you three options because if you give people too many options, and I'm going to go back to your Ford example as well. If you're selling 96 different vehicles, it's going to be pretty hard for people to make decisions. And if you're selling too many different pricing tiers, it's going to get confusing and that leads to paralysis. You keep within that rule of three, you distill it to three distinct options and make sure they're delivering value. The majority of consumers are going to lend themselves towards that middle option. You may surprise yourself at how many people choose your top pricing tier. And those are going to be some of your most loyal and most valuable customers, not just because they pay you the most, but because they are also deriving the most. Those are your fans. They want to be with you because they are deriving the most value. Both of you are getting a good deal. And that's really where you want to be. Yeah, Shai, this is such a deep topic and one that can go on in real good depth. And we've covered so many important elements of pricing strategies and the why, if you will. What else can our listeners do to dive in further? You know, like so many other things now in the information age, there's just so many great resources around pricing. There's also a lot of bad information out there, too. I would say that if you want to delve into this a little bit deeper, a resource that we used on the show today is a book called The Strategy and Tactics of Pricing by Thomas Nagel, John Hogan, and Joseph Zale. Go to our website at businessownersradio.com. You can read all about it in the show notes of this episode, and there will also be links to pick up this book, The Strategy and Tactics of Pricing. This episode has been sponsored by Aligned for Business. 
provider of business consulting and executive coaching. That's aligned, the number four, business.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.